You're listening to a podcast from Bayside Church International. Hi. How are we all? It's good to see you. Yeah, you too, Rachel. (laughs) Let's just close our eyes and put our hands out. God, we thank you that you're here. We thank you that you're already here. Father, we pray that you just come heavier this morning, that we can feel your presence on our hands this morning. Just posture yourself. Just allow yourself to feel his presence this morning. Just focus on his presence. Focus on his eyes. What are his eyes looking like? What's he saying to you? In worship, I had a picture and I just had the words, the road less travelled. If you feel like you are walking the road less travelled, do you want to be brave and stand up? I feel like God wants to say to you today, thank you. Thank you so much for choosing me. Thank you so much for walking on that path because it takes courage, it takes bravery and he wants to honour you today. He wants to bless you today. He says, I know it's not easy, but I've chosen you. I've chosen you and I've given you the armour so that you can walk it, that you can get through it. So thank you. I also have been feeling the last few weeks that there are people who have shelved passions. If you've shelved a passion that God's put on your heart because you thought it's never going to happen anyway, I'd like you to stand up. I saw a beautiful picture for you guys. I saw a long road and you were pushing. You were pushing this passion, whatever it might be, you were pushing it and it was hard. It was struggle town, like it was heavy. It was like a burden. You were pushing it on this road. But at the end of this road, I saw this beautiful rainbow. It wasn't raining. It was just this rainbow on this bright sunny day. But God is saying to you, Get in front of that trolley, get in front of that passion and let me push the passion which will push you through that rainbow, through that promise that God's given you. So embrace that passion, pick up that passion because he gave that to you anyway. It's not yours to put down. And I'd like to pray for you at the end if you would come up. So for about three nights before today, I don't sleep very well. I just get weird. I have weird dreams. I have weird pictures. God starts speaking to me about my message. I'm like, why don't you speak to me about this while I'm writing it? Why in the middle of the night? I am tired. I want to sleep. (laughs) Anyway, it was just this strange picture that I just saw everyone's, the top of your heads just opened up. I'm like, okay, that's weird. Whatever. Middle of the night. And then all of a sudden, God was just dropping a drop of revelation oil inside your head. Then all of a sudden, your heads just close back over. But when, when they close back over, your eyes opened and you, you stood up and it was like you received new life. Like you're already alive, but you were more lively. And I, I feel like today in my message that you're going to receive something that's going to open your eyes, open your mind, and open your hearts more so. So I pray that over you today. So we've been doing this series on Jesus Revealed in John. 
which has been fun. Who's enjoying it so far? Yeah? We're doing the miracles, the signs, the life of Jesus, who he was and who he is. John 20, 31 says, Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples that are not written in this book, but these ones are written so that you may believe, believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Today, I will be sharing on the miracle where Jesus fed the 5,000 and a few of my favourite aspects within this story. As I've been reading it, it's just been amazing, the things that have come alive while, while studying it, while researching it. It's just this whole, you know, you, you, you read it and you're like, oh, you know, that's nice. Jesus fed the 5,000. He provided food, you know, unlimited amount of food and leftovers. That, that's nice. You know, well done, Jesus. Thank you. Um, but you'll find this story in all of the Gospels. And aside from the resurrection, it's the only miracle in all of the Gospels. Why is this? I don't know. But my thinking is that perhaps that this is one of the greatest miracles because it was in front of such a large crowd. So many people witnessed it. Maybe it was the most impacting on the disciples. They each saw a different side to Jesus as each different gospel retells the story. They all portray a different aspect of who Jesus is. Matthew and Mark are both portraying that Jesus is compassionate. Mark, uh, Matthew says that he saw the crowd and he had compassion on them. Mark says that they were like sheep without a shepherd. Luke says that Jesus made everyone feel welcomed. John's, however, it's a little different. It's the most dramatic version, the one that's most detailed about the miracle itself. He tells us that many follow Jesus because They've witnessed the healings, the miracles that he was performing. So we'll talk about this more so. One thing that he doesn't talk about is the compassion side of Jesus. It was his compassion that led him to stop for the people. Jesus was tired. He was mourning. John doesn't mention that. They'd been praying for the sick and healing those in need of a miracle. So even in his tiredness, he stopped for them and he still prayed for them. He not once complained about it. His mission was purely to display the heart of the Father. And in this, this instance, it was his compassion that he was displaying to the people. We see it all through the Bible, the different ways that Jesus showed compassion. And it was his compassion that moved him to heal the sick. So if we turn to John 6, verse 1 to 14... We'll go through the whole scripture and then we'll break it down. I'm reading from the Passion Translation, so it might be a little different on the screen. So after this, after what? So Jesus had just heard about the death of John the Baptist, his good friend. So if my research is correct, there's about one year between John 5 and John 6. But in John 5, he doesn't mention that John the Baptist has just died. So he was mourning. So after this, Jesus went to the other side of the Lake of Tiberias, which is also known as Lake Galilee, and a massive crowd of people followed him everywhere. They were attracted by his miracles and the healings they watched him perform. Jesus went up the slope of a hill and sat down with his disciples. Now it was approaching the time of the Jewish celebration of Passover, and there were many pilgrims on their way to Jerusalem in the crowd. As Jesus sat down, 
he looked out and saw the massive crowd of people scrambling up the hill, for they wanted to be near him. So he turns to Philip and says, where will we buy enough food to feed all these people? Now Jesus already knew what he was about to do, but he said this to stretch Philip's faith. Let me just add that God knows what he's going to do. He's not asking because he needs ideas on what he should do. When he asks you what he should do, it's because he wants you to do what he's going to do. So Philip answers, poor Philip, I feel sorry for him every time I read this. Well, I suppose if we were to give, enough, give everyone only a snack, it would cost thousands of dollars to buy enough food. But just then, Andrew, Peter, uh, Philip's like, you know, awesome, thank you for Andrew. His brother spoke up and said, look, here's a young person with five barley loaves and two small fish, but how far will that go to, to feed this huge crowd? Wait, that was a stupid idea. There's at least 10 to 20,000 people here, including women and children. This isn't even going to feed one small kid. Don't, don't, don't worry, that's a silly idea. But then Jesus speaks. Have everyone sit down, Jesus says to his disciples. So on the vast grassy slope, more than 5,000 hungry people sit down. Jesus then takes the barley loaves and the fish, gives thanks to God. He then gives it to the disciples to distribute to the people. Miraculously, the food multiplied with everyone eating as much as they want. When everyone was satisfied, some translations say filled. And when you read the book of John, you'll see a reoccurring theme of full, fill, filled. He begins the gospel by saying how full Jesus is. Jesus is full of grace and truth. The mandate of Jesus is to fill humanity. Here we see it again. The people ate until they were filled. That's how Jesus works. So Jesus tells his disciples, now go back and gather up the pieces left over so that nothing will be wasted. The disciples filled up 12 baskets of fragments, a basket of leftovers for each disciple. All the people were astounded as they saw with their own eyes the incredible miracle Jesus had performed. They began to say among themselves, he really is the one, the true prophet we've been expecting. How amazing is this miracle? It's so good. The miracle just happens in front of like 5, 10, 20,000 people in front of your eyes. This would have to have been one of the greatest miracles to have witnessed and to be part of. Food multiplying in your hand as you are handing it out. What the heck? No amount of human reasoning could reduce this miracle to a natural phenomenon. There's so many times these days that people try and reduce miracles. I had, I had an experience. I was about 15. I'd seen, I'd seen heaps of miracles. I'd not had any happen to me yet. So we, I was about 15 and I was working. Our current pastors were moving on. This is a weird miracle, so you might be a little freaked out, but that's okay. That's good. <laughs> and they were taking up an offering for him. So I was working. I didn't have much money. I had $10 in my wallet. I'm like, yeah, I'll, I'll give that. I really want to bless them. Don't have much to give. I'll give 10 So I folded it up really small in my hand so no one would see that I was only giving $10. And you walk it up to the front, and the buckets were 
like Milo tins painted and cut like a small little cut, so like a little piggy bank, I suppose. So I'm walking my money up. I'm not looking at it because it's in my hand. And it's my turn to put it in. As I'm putting it in, I'm not lying. It was $50. I put it in and I run away back to my seat. And the whole, I didn't get any of the service. I'm like, what? Just, what? Like, it was $10. How come, what? So anyway, I've finished, (laughs) I've not seen, not heard anything like it. So I'm like, I must have put 50 in. Or I go and tell someone after the service and they say to me, you must have seen someone else put it in. So I'm like, okay. So for years I just didn't think of the miracle. I did not, you know, it wasn't a miracle. So a few years ago, God reminded me of it. And I was like, yeah, but someone else put that in. It wasn't me. And he said, Rachel, you were the only one standing there at the money tin. I was like, hey, I was too. <laughs> He's like, Rachel, think back to the size of the slit that you put the money in. Could two people put money in at the same time? No, I couldn't. And he was like, who did the miracle? I was like, wow, it was a miracle. So he like fully reminded me of this weird thing that happened. So sorry if you get scared by miracles. I just freaked you out even more. Oh well. <laughs> it was a good story. Good miracle. Point number one, Jesus is my provider. This may seem obvious, but there are some small things that I'd like you to pick up today that you can also apply to your life. So we'll go back to John 6, verse 5 to 7. As Jesus sat down, he looked out and saw the massive crowd of people scrambling up the hill, for they wanted to be near him. So he turns to Philip and says, Hey, Phil, where will we buy enough food to feed all these people? So Jesus already knew what he was about to do. Jesus had no intention of buying food. So he is setting up Philip. When you are Jesus, you don't have to buy anything. You just make it. But Philip doesn't know that because Jesus is testing him. I mean, I don't think I would have known that too if I was Philip, so let's be honest. The word test here means to test which way someone is going to go. So Jesus intentionally approaches Philip and says, which way are you going to go? Are you going to come to me or are you going to go to your own resources? So Philip answers, well, I suppose if we were to give everyone only a snack, it'd cost thousands of dollars to buy enough food. Jesus, fully God, just asks Philip, where are we going to buy bread? And Philip just brought up to God of the whole universe. Well, we might be able to muster up 200 denarii and then use the, you know, use the word that everyone might have a little. Philip, do you know who you're talking to? The access he has, the resource he has. Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God, Jesus, fully man, fully God, standing in front of him. And he says... We might be able to muster up 200 denarii and then everyone can have a little bit. The resource that's standing right in front of him is the the person of the Lord Jesus Christ, but he can't see it. You see, we need to prepare for abundance. Realize what you have in Jesus. You have a God of more than enough. 
Philip's way was logical, just enough way. If I get out the spreadsheet, I can calculate that everyone might get a little bit. Oh, but wait, we can't afford that, so don't worry about it. He saw the task as impossible because he approached it as if everything depended on his own resources. So why do we forget about Jesus who is standing right in front of us when we need a miracle? When we're in desperation or any situation, it doesn't even need to just be a miracle. Sadly, is often our last point of call. Well, for me anyway. When there is no other option. Well, God, looks like I just have to use you because I can't do anything else. So what, what can you do, God? Jesus' approach is so different. He bypasses all human effort and goes straight to his source to do the impossible. Jesus is saying there is a new way. There is a new way, the Jesus way. Jesus wants the disciples to understand the lack of human resources and their own inability to handle the situation. If the disciples had provided the food, there would have been no miracle, and they would be able to boast in their own ability to provide. But Jesus is far greater than our own resources. When we come to what seems an impossible situation, or any situation, which way are we going to turn? Where are you going to go? Is Jesus going to be your first option? Are we doing good? Have everyone sit down, Jesus says to his disciples. So on the vast grassy slope, more than 5,000 hungry people sit down. So they'd be expecting to be seated because in that culture, when they sit down, they're going to sit down for a meal and they're going to sit down for a good few hours just eating and socialising, you know, having this community lunch. So they're sitting down, waiting for food. But wait, where's the food? How would they be responding? 10 to 20,000 hungry people waiting to be served lunch? How would you be feeling? Frustrated? Where's the food? I'm hungry. You know? So the disciples were about to learn one of the greatest demonstrations of all time. They had a front row seat to God's supernatural providing power. And it starts when Jesus says, sit down. When you're hungry, when you're in a moment of desperation or in need of a miracle and you're told to sit down, what? I don't want to sit down. <laughs> hey, I know you're desperate, just take a seat. I know you're hungry, sit down, you're okay. No, I don't want to sit down, I'm hungry, I want my food. You know, are they yelling at each other, are they pushing each other? I don't know. You know, we're, we're, when we're in a desperate need of a miracle, we're rushing around, we're overthinking, we're trying to fill that need on our own. We don't want to sit down. We don't want to rest. But God's saying, sit down. He wants you to experience peace in every area of your life. So sit down and rest in God's ability to provide more than enough because it's more than you can do on your own. Can you experience the peace of God while you're rushing about, while you're overthinking? I sure as heck can't. When you sit down, when you put your hands out, when you focus on him, you put your need aside, 
That's when you can experience his peace that surpasses all understanding. You have to prepare for abundance when there is only lack. Wouldn't we rather see it before we sit down? God, if you provide it, then I can sit down and then I can rest. No, that's not the God way. The God way is you sit down and watch me provide. Because if you're rushing about and he provides the miracle, are you going to even see it as a miracle? Or are you going to see it as it was your own work? That was not in my notes. That was a pretty good note. <laughs> I thought so. So he already knew what he was going to do. He knows what he is going to do. So he can tell the crowd to sit down. He can tell us to sit down because he has a plan. He knows which way he's going to go. It doesn't matter what we know or what we don't know. It doesn't matter what they knew or didn't know. You can still rest in the midst of needing the miracle because he has it under control. There is no point worrying about something that is beyond our control because where's that going to get you? Not very far. Realise that God has been providing for humanity since the beginning of time and he has a pretty good record. And I guess in our culture, I was thinking about this, like it's so easy to not rely on God to provide for us in our culture because we work, you know, we make a living, we can pay our own way. So how do we have God provide for us in our own culture when we can make our own way? He wants to provide for you. He has the, all the resources to provide for you. I'm not saying go, don't quit your job, like keep working. Find other areas where God can provide for you. Challenge yourself. Where do I need a miracle in my life? Where do I need God to come through? Because you don't need to have all the resources all of the time. So put yourself in a position where you actually need God to come through so you can see him as Jesus is my provider. It's dreaming so big that you can't feel it on your own, that you need God's resources on your side. So this week I challenge you to think about an area where you can, have, where you can learn that God is provider, where you have to have full faith full confidence in him to come through because without him, this is not going to happen. So step out of your comfort zone and stretch your faith. Comfortable is easy. I like comfortable. But you don't grow in comfort. You won't grow in courage. And dare I say it, you won't grow in faith when you're comfortable. That was hard to say. So, <laughs> it just got a bit real. <laughs> Step out, people. <laughs> okay. Jesus is my provider. Jesus is also empowering. 6 verse 11 says, Jesus then took the barley loaves and the fish and gave thanks to God. He then gave it to the disciples to distribute to the people. Miraculously, the food multiplied with everyone eating as much as they wanted. Jesus gives the bread and the fish to his 12 guys to hand out. This would need a lot of trust from them that when they come back to Jesus to get more, to give more, would there actually be some there? 
or if they just hand it out a little bit and then everyone else is mad because they're missing out. So they start handing it out. Here's some for you, here's some for you. Here they go back to get more. Here's some more for you. They're handing it out. They go back, hand more out, go back, hand more out. They're handing it out and it's not running out. They're handing it out and it's not running out. They're handing it out and it's not running out. This just blows my mind. It just keeps on coming. It just doesn't end. Can you imagine their faces? Exactly. Their faces would be like, what is going on? Would they be in awe of Jesus? Maybe confused a little, like, what what are you doing? How is this happening? Would they be so excited that they run back every single time because they know there's going to be more there to give out? Can you imagine it? They're just handing it out and it's not not running out. They're running back to Jesus because there's more that they want to give that they can give out because it's just never-ending supply. So exciting. It just doesn't end. How would you feel if you were there? Would you be freaked out? I know miracles freak some people out. Would you be excited? What if it was in this day, if God used you to feed the multitude with not much? How would you respond? God has a plan. He has a strategy to advance his kingdom and it involves you and me, just like it did the disciples. And it's called the distribution plan. That's where the miracle is. We have an opportunity to get in the assembly line, just to keep handing it out, where God is so passionate about reaching his people that you can get in on the miracle too. The bread will be in your hand, And you can realise that God is supernatural provider where you give it out and it keeps coming and you keep giving it out. He wants every person on this earth to know about his son and he has a plan in how to do it. It's called the church. It's called you and me. When you get in on the distribution plan, the miracle manifests in your hands. In your hands. And you know what fascinates me is there's no mention of the men complaining, asking, when do I get to eat? When do I get to sit down? My feet are sore. I've been walking around all day. I'm tired. When do I get my share? What if there's not enough for me to eat when we finish handing it out, feeding all these people? There is no fear of missing out. They are so overwhelmed that this one little lunch is feeding 10 to 20,000 people that they forget about themselves. They forget about their own needs. So when you start being part of the distribution plan, you begin to feed others, nourish others, help others, care for others. You forget about yourself. You turn outwards towards the people and you begin to have compassion, just like Jesus did. You get excited about the miracle that is unfolding in front of your eyes, in your hands. You just want to keep giving, keep being part of the plan. The more you give out, the more you realise it's not running out and it gets better. 
because it says everyone ate as much as they wanted. That's the Jesus way. There is no lack. Here, have as much as you want. Eat until you're filled. Now go get the leftovers. Jesus did not just meet the need. He lavished them with so much food that everyone ate until they were filled and then go and get the leftovers. So they start filling. There's basket one, basket two, basket three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. When they're done, there's 12 baskets of leftovers. Here's the disciples' share. Here you've been serving. You've been providing. You've been helping. Have a basket of food to eat. Gather up the leftovers so nothing is lost. And you know what? This isn't about the bread anymore. This is about the people. He wants nothing lost, nobody lost. God's providing power is beautifully connected for his, to his passion for his people to not be lost. So the question becomes, how can I get involved in God's providing, in God's great plan for saving the lost? How can I use my passion and my gifts to, to make an impact on this earth? In the Jesus way, you realise that what you have, no matter how little it is, could be the key to God's miracle to meet your need and those around you in abundance. What you carry already, no matter how small, this little boy had five loaves and two fish. So what you have already, God can use to meet the needs of those around you. So get in on the distribution plan because it's the best place to be. And last point is Jesus is our life source. All the people were astounded as they saw with their own eyes the incredible miracle Jesus had performed. They began to say among themselves, he really is the one, the true prophet we've been expecting. Jesus showed everyone in the crowd that day that he could provide them anything they needed, no matter what. Matthew 6, 28 says, Why would you worry about your clothing? Look at all the beautiful flowers of the field. They don't work or toil. The trees are clothed in leaves. The meadows are clothed in hay. The birds never go hungry. How much more are you to God than these? He knows all your needs and he is going to provide for you. John 6, 26 says, Many of the people who had eaten the food that Jesus had multiplied searched for him the next day. When they found him, he tells the people, Let me make this very clear. You came looking for me because I fed you by a miracle, not because you believe in me. Why would you strive for food that is perishable, and not be passionate to seek the food of eternal life which never spoils. The crowd was so fascinated with the food, with the miracle, that they were missing out on the fact that their Messiah was standing right in front of them. So they asked Jesus for a sign that he was sent from God. What? As if feeding them 
multitude and walking on water and all these miracles weren't enough. So Jesus, possibly a little frustrated, says, the bread of God is the one who came out of heaven to give his life to feed the world. I am the bread of life. Come every day to me and you will never be hungry. Believe in me and you will never be thirsty. All, all who come to me, I will embrace and I will never turn them away. Jesus is the source of life and it is he that gives life. We can live off bread and water for a long time, but that's not going to get you into heaven. Jesus is the source of eternal life and that is what he's trying to get across. When you come and believe, you will have eternal life. So many times in John he talks about coming and believing, this invitation to respond to him. An invitation to come to me no matter what. Believe in me. I am the one that gives life. I am the one that provides for you when you are in need, when you're in lack. Even when you aren't in need, I want to provide for you because I love you that much. Believing in Jesus means placing our faith in him, that he is who he says he is, that he will do what he says he will do, and he is the only one who can. Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples that are not written in this book, but these specific ones are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Whatever you feel like you're lacking today, realize this, that God has been providing for all of humanity for a very long time. And whatever you need, you can get through him. He is our number one response to any situation that we face. And I have had a sense for a few days that there are people who are afraid of miracles, who fear them. And that's okay. It is okay. But you know what? God's inviting you to come today. Come and embrace that relationship with him. You know, you want the relationship with God, but not that side, because that side's scary. That side's unknown. I don't know what, I can't explain it. So you would rather just push that away and not embrace that. But there's an invitation today to put that aside and embrace that. Because there are things that I can't explain. I've seen things that I can't explain. I've prayed for people and I can't explain it. But God wants to use every single person in that way if you will let him. Yeah. And that's how you'll increase your faith, when you pray for people. You know, I prayed for so many people before I saw my first miracle. And when I saw my first miracle, I'm pretty sure I jumped up for joy and was so excited because it was flipping awesome. Yeah. <laughs> and then every time I, pr like in that period of time, every person I prayed for that same issue 
got healed. I prayed for another body part. So the first one was the, the right knee. If you've got pain in your right knee, God will heal you today. The second thing that I prayed for was back. And I actually, my hand was on fire while I was praying for this. It wasn't on fire, it was hot. Okay, that was a little bit dramatic. It was hot. <laughs> I, can, I can be dramatic sometimes. People tell me that. I'm like, oh, whatever. It was hot. It was really hot. So I had my hand on her back, and she's like, What's, what are you doing? And I'm like, just, just praying for you. And she felt hot. But you know, it was the heat that healed her back. And then every single person afterwards that I prayed for with back pain got healed I can't, explain, I can't explain it. There are people that I pray for that don't get healed. I can't explain that either. I'm sorry, but that's not my job. My job is to pray for you and have faith that God will heal you. I had healing of my liver. I was 18 or 19. I, had, I was really sick for about two weeks. I would just sleep all day, sleep all night, and we had this conference. The last place I wanted to be was at conference. Like I was throwing up all my food, could not keep anything down. I would just sleep all day and all night. So I go to this conference like a zombie. And this, this, the speaker, she says, there's someone here with liver pain. I'm like looking around for who this person is. She's rattling off all these other words of knowledge. And she, she calls again, liver. I'm looking around like, might be me. I've got liver issues. I don't know. And she's calling it out again, liver. There's someone here with liver. And I'm like, I don't know. And then mum comes over and she's like, Rachel, that's you. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> so then I get up and she, she didn't really even pray for me. She laid hands on me, like probably blew in my, I don't know, blew on my tummy. It was a little bit weird. And I'm, I didn't feel anything. So I went to the doctor on Monday and he's like, you need, we need to book you in to get an ultrasound. I didn't feel, I, I felt like I had more energy. I mean, it was a little bit, you know, easy to tell, but it wasn't like I wasn't jumping. So I have this more energy and the doctor says, you need to go get an ultrasound. I'm like, no, I'm healed. He's like, what? And I'm like, no, I've been prayed for, I'm healed, I don't need an ultrasound. And from then, I was fine. Like, this miracle that just happened, just healing if you've got liver issues, God's going to heal you today too. <laughs> I have faith for that. Just so many miracles. It can be in our mindset. If you, if you are fearing the, the miraculous, please come at the end of the service and we'd love to pray for you because it's honestly one of the best things that you can get in on to be used by God in that way. When you see the look on their face when they've been in a lifetime of pain and God's used you to bring healing. Now, I'm not boasting, like it's not, it's not about me, it's about God. But when you can be that vessel that's used to pray for someone who's been in a lifetime of pain and you see that pain instantly lift, they don't know what to say. Like They're thankful they're amazed, like, you know, chronic pain for 20 plus years and they're walking fine. We're in, Cro uh, do you mind me sharing my stories? We're in Croatia, uh, Costa Rica 
And there was this guy, we can't speak their language. There's this guy, he's um, completely paralysed. He'd had a stroke, completely paralysed on his, uh, whatever side, left side that is. Um, droopy, droopy face, couldn't see out of his eye. Like the, the eyeball was like back, so there was no eye and he could not hear. So I can't remember if he was in a walker or a wheelchair or I can't really remember that, but he couldn't feel anything in his left side. And so we begin to pray for him. There's probably two of us at this time. And he's sitting down and he starts kicking his legs, like moving his legs. So we get him up and he's walking. Now he's like all the he's still paralyzed up here, like he still can't feel anything. So then we pray for his arm. He starts doing this. And he's kicking his legs at the same time. We're like, wow, this is amazing. And then we start praying for his face. Like, yeah, who has faith to pray for a face? Like that his face needs like dramatic change, right? His Droopy lip, no joke, started moving in front of our eyes and his face begins to form normally. His eyeball starts to come back around like, this is weird. But he is getting healed in front of our eyes. He left that service walking seeing and hearing, fully restored. That is the power of miracles. And I invite you in on that journey because the Bible is full of miracles. Even in the Old Testament, God providing for his people. You know, manna from heaven for the Israelites who thought they were going to die. Water like out of rocks, what, what? when you read these things, they're just amazing, I love reading the miracles, because it's like in an instant, they're in need, and God provides, it's just amazing, can I get the keys to come up, and you know, God wants to provide for you in the same way, I've got countless stories, of God providing, of God using me as a vessel, and he wants to do the same for you. So if you have a little bit of faith, if you want to be used for miracles, please stand up. If you're afraid of the miraculous, if it freaks you out a little bit, I'd love to pray for you because I feel like mindsets are going to be shifted today. If you want more of God, just put your hands out. God, I just pray that you come. Just come and fill their hearts today, Father. You are the miracle-working God who comes in power, who comes in strength, who comes in might, 
and he wants to use you. He wants you to be partners with him. He's saying, come and believe in me. Come and believe in my power to use you. Come and believe in my strength. Come and see what I can do with you because I can use you in ways that you have no idea about. There's your invitation. Just come. Come and be with me. Come and be with me out of relationships so we can do it together. Because there are a lot of desperate people out there. There are a lot of people in need out there and they need you. They need the God in you. So I challenge you today, put God as number one. Choose him as your first response. Put yourself in positions where you can risk, where you can be used. Because I tell you what, there is a lot of time left and he wants to use you. So I challenge you this week to be a vessel. Be a vessel. God, I pray that you just come and give everybody here boldness. Give everyone courage. Give everyone strength to step out in your name, Father. Everyone who's afraid, Father, we, we give them peace that surpasses all understanding. Father, all these people here today want to be used. So God, we pray that you use them in mighty, powerful ways of bringing your name to this earth, God. God, I pray that their faith is stirred up today, that their faith is rising today, that today is a marker day, that they will never be the same again. Today is the day that everyone will see miracles happen out of their hands, that the bread will multiply in their hands as they're giving it out, God. We pray for divine appointments and opportunities that every single person gets to pray for people that they can get in on the miracle too, that they can get in on the distribution plan, Father, that they can see that you are a supernatural provider, that you are a God of wonder, that you have all the resources and more that we need that we can co-partner with. God, I pray for everyone to have strategies from you in how they can apply this message, what they got from this message to their life, God.
This has been a podcast from Bayside Church International. Thanks for listening.